Aloha. Welcome to The Creative Life, a collaborative continuing effort between Think Tech Hawaii and the American Creativity Association. I'm Darlene Boyd, your host for today's show. Our guest, Andrew Jocelyn, joins us from his home studio in Seattle, Washington. Andrew is a contributing composer to three Grammy award-winning albums and a BMI hip hop and pop award winner orchestrator and violinist. Andrew runs his own production studio in Seattle. He leads the Passenger String Quartet and much more to be shared with us in today's interview. Get ready to learn more about Andrew's passion for music collaborative experiences while we gain a glimpse of the ins and outs of the music business. Welcome, Andrew Jocelyn, to The Creative Life. Pleasure to have you with us today, Thank Andrew. I know that yeah, you, you have that. Uh, begun playing the violin since you were five, and I know we're a little bit mm -hmm. down the line. So when did you make that twist and turn from playing the violin to branching out? Well, uh, yeah, so my parents started me off on the violin when I was five years old. Um, there was quite a bit of a, a family legacy to upheld, uphold on my father's side of the family. So my my step-grandfather started the London String Quartet, and my great-aunt Carolyn was a, a famous uh, violinist that she could do the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto and then also do the, the Mendelssohn Piano Concerto all in the same evening. So uh, there was a very big classical tradition that um, my parents kind of wanted me to continue. And uh, I studied the violin uh, for many, many years, uh, did it through college, um, through the kind of the traditional classical uh, route. And then uh, I got actually quite disillusioned with um, not necessarily classical music, but just kind of the process and uh, the education behind it, because I kind of felt there was a lot of politics and there was a lot of, you know, I my the career the the career trajectory that was available to me um as a violinist was a little limiting um because you know either i would be in an orchestra i'd be a music teacher or if i had the actual wherewithal and like the talent i could be a solo violinist but um i none of those kind of seemed interesting to me i i wanted to be writing music i wanted to be you know i i was drawn to music like you know, Roxy music and U2 and Tears for Fears. And there was a lot of contemporary music that was really moving me in ways that um, I, 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 I appreciate classical music, but there was something else that was drawing me further. And so in college, I actually um, went and joined a rock band. I, I did something totally out of my comfort zone and you know a lot of rock musicians they they don't have sheet music there's no charts and i had to learn to improvise and i had to improvise learn to improvise quickly so um i i, I never really kind of looked back i it, but it's kind of funny because everything's kind of coming full circle now but i uh as a violinist, you know, I kind of picked up the electric violin, started uh, adding effects and really, really uh, exploring what it meant to be uh, a composer and to write music in the moment. And that kind of led me down this path where um, I became a go to string arranger and uh, pop orchestra for bands in the Pacific Northwest and beyond. And, um, you know, I 
just <laughs> there's a lot of artists that I kind of started meeting, um, you know, and by chance, I, I started working with Ben Haggerty, uh, a.k.a. Macklemore in 2008 and uh, became his kind of string arranger uh, and orchestrator with every record ever since. Um, and then that's led to many other artists along the way. And we can we can talk about them, but that's kind of uh, a a short abridged version of my journey when it came to classical education in the violin. I'm sure it's a very short journey, <laughs> I mean, a short uh, <laughs> and chat about your journey, but not a short journey in, in many respects. Maybe this is a timely place for us to uh, give our viewers a treat and go to the video that you brought for us. So if we could call up that video.
Andrew, those of us that study the concept of creativity find that others with our shared interests generally fall into two categories, dreamers and realists. Dreamers, as you might imagine, the sky's the limit and realists are more conservative about their dreams. What do you consider yourself? Do you, are you a dreamer or a combo or a realist? And what do you think is needed to succeed? <laughs> I love this question. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I think I'm a bit of a combo of the two. Maybe I'm a cusp. I, uh, I started off as a dreamer. Uh, and I still believe that at my core, I'm a dreamer because there's still like so many things that I aspire to be and like where I want to be with my career and what I want to do creatively. Um, but I think too that over time and um, I think with the music industry uh, in particular, you know, there's a lot of tempering that happens. You know, you, you kind of, especially when you work in a sense of, you know, I, I do a lot of collaborative work with other artists and um, when I'm writing or conducting or working with an ensemble, there's a lot of give and take. And I, I think with an art form such as music, you, you, you have to be a realist at times. You have to be able to allow room for other people's interpretations, um, their input. Um, and I mean, especially when you're playing live. There might be a piece of music that you are especially moved by, but the audience is not, you know, and I think um, it's weird. I, you know, I, I, I do feel like the more and more I kind of traverse into a full-time career as a musician, um, I have to be a realist because I, I also don't want to get burnt out. And I also don't want to become uh, the mythological figure of the starving artist either, you know, because I think that's such a disservice to the arts. Um, so for myself, like, yeah, I'm a dreamer at my core, but I need, you need to be tempered with realism to make sure that you protect yourself and your art in the long run. Your, uh, your answer to that question made me think of a quote that I heard not too long ago from, uh, someone in the music business. And perhaps you've, you've heard this quote that, uh, the music industry is 10% music and 90% business. Do you agree? <laughs> I would say maybe instead of business, I would say it's people management. Uh, you know, it's because, yeah, there's there you need to have a bit of a, a business acumen and you need to have a little bit of forethought about your finances and everything else. But honestly, it's um, being able to work with other human beings. You could be the most amazing gifted guitarist like a Steve Vai or, you know, some of these uh, amazing um, musicians, but if your personality doesn't necessarily play well with others, you're really going to have a harder time collaborating, working with people, finding a team that supports you and finding fans that will um, be enamored with you. So I, I, all I would say is just flipping that just instead of business being, you know, people management, <laughs> being able to be relatable. I'll remember that for my next conversation with a musician. I don't know if that will happen. But tell, tell me and, and our viewers a little bit about the video in, in terms of the production. Uh, I think they would probably, uh, those, those that have viewed the video would agree that uh, your selection of the vocalist is, is just rather magical. But what, what, can, what can you tell us about that production? It was fun too. To watch. Yeah, 
I, yeah, I, I almost feel like we should have given a disclaimer before we introduced the video, but yeah, so, you know, in, in my career and my trajectory as an artist, I, you know, I, I start off as a violinist and then became um, a pop arranger and orchestrator for a lot of different artists. And I still do that full time for, you know, with BMG uh, down in Los Angeles, but also, you know, I've worked with Leslie Odom Jr. and Judy Collins and Mark Lanigan, the, the list goes on and on and on. Um, but around 2014, um, you know, one thing that kind of tempered my own creativity is when it, I was always working within someone else's vision of their music. And I kind of felt severely limited and I really wanted to write I felt so driven to write my own music and my own lyrics and produce and create something that was entirely my own and um that video and that album uh, which was called Awake at the Bottom of the Ocean um which I released in 2017 um was a culmination of all that uh you know it was years upon years of all these varied influences and it was it was such a bizarre record to put together for me because i started off in classical i went into hip-hop i did you know punk rock for a minute i was doing world music played with you know done some stuff in gospel and folk and you know when when you take the time to start to try and find your own voice as a creative in the middle of all this uh, beautiful cacophony. Uh, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was exploring this weird kind of path to my own, you know, what, what, who am I as an artist? And, you know, that video and that song plastic heaven was, um, you know, one of the first things that kind of came together on that record, you know, that song I, I had written really specifically to address kind of a sickness of, today's age with you know this a fascination all obsession with celebrity and uh social media i i you know i i'm a child of the 80s you know i had an atari 2600 i didn't have a cell phone until my junior year of college so i feel like i've kind of seen weird evolution of um how to relate to people and how to meet people and how to you know even as an artist how do you reach your fans and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's interesting because there's some amazing things that come from all this social media and everything that's happening, but it's also kind of a weird sickness. And I, you know, it's something that I'm kind of hesitant and a little tentative about. So um, in terms of the vocalists, Will Jordan, uh, him and I have been working together for a number of years on various projects. And we had met through just the studio scene here in Seattle. Uh, I'd worked on a song of his um, and just loved his vocals, loved his writing. And, you know, I just reached out to him and I was like, hey, I have a song. Um, do you want to sing it? <laughs> and it was something that was very different for him uh, stylistically, but he was really down and we've, we've been collaborators ever since. So it's, you know, I'm, it's really exciting to see how that song came together. And then the video itself, I um, collaborated with a local uh, cinematographer and director named Garrett Gibbons. And he, him and I came together, came up with the concept of the video to try and frame this weird, uh, almost picturesque, picture-perfect world with these, you know, debutantes and everything else um, to showcase this weird 
uh, obsession people have with cell phones and social media and, you know, and tried to speak to that in kind of this weird 1960s uh, <laughs> film-esque film uh, presentation. So, you know, there you go. Well, that's very helpful. Uh, what do you like to do outside of music that contributes to your musicality? <laughs> Um, I live, breathe, uh, I, music is such a ingrained part of my, my life that, I mean, that's such a, an, uh, appropriate question. Cause I think as a creative people need to have additional outlets. And I think one of the, the, the biggest challenges that I have as a full-time musician is, you know, when I first start off with music, music was the way it fed my my being it was a way to escape from other you know work and mundanity and stuff to kind of bring uh, enrichment to my own life and then when it becomes a full-time career when everything that you do you know any piece of music that I touch I have to look from look at it uh from almost a uh a commodity uh sort of perspective and that's 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 a little bit that's a little bit hard you know and uh i've been trying to figure out uh other ways to kind of replenish the well and kind of open things up for myself and you know i actually other other ways that i've started exploring is just writing you know having a journal in the morning that i'll write in to kind of just have a stream of consciousness to let my brain um not getting in the way of itself <laughs> critically because <laughs> that happens a lot and uh also just um i used to when i was a kid i used to doodle a lot i was a really really big into sketch art and uh i haven't really done much of that lately but i'm i'm been slowly kind of eking back into that as a way to kind of let my brain uh kind of sort itself out in a way um but it, you know, always, always, I love, I love music, and I, I find so many different disciplines within music itself that are entertaining and fun for me to do. You know, when I'm feeling kind of blocked in my own writing, uh, there's times I'll just do a huge string arrangement for another artist, and I'll just revel in the creation, the creative process of collaborating with them and usually that's that's enough to to kind of help get me excited again about my own writing or about a new project or direction I need to go so um and the same thing too it's like I'll do a lot of podcast scoring and uh scoring for film and tv and those are almost completely different disciplines uh than songwriting and working with pop artists so uh it's funny because I I, I think that there's so much offering in music that I, I never quite feel <laughs> like I need to go elsewhere. Well, actually that uh, your description and in, in your response to this last question uh, just reinforces a little bit that I've, I've gotten to chat with you. You certainly do have a passion. And um, I, I just have another quick question about the video. Actually, it's a question that was, that's, that was brought to me uh, just now as we're, as we're talking. And that is how long did it take you to do the video? overall the production and the, how much of your yeah, well it was oh well it was it took maybe a couple of weeks of planning with Garrett and I 
and my management at the time where we went through we you know we we posted on facebook that we were looking for extras um to to film in this <laughs> weird idea of a music video and so we we had to like you know do a lot of prep work we you know reached out and got a couple of those uh we got a couple of models to do the debutantes we'd had you know i think 30 plus people that um volunteered their time to be extras and then i had a, a fake orchestra as well where you know it's it's all these musicians that i knew from seattle but they're they are all willing to just kind of mimic playing uh, you have the song just for the orchestra. sake of that was a fake orchestra that you <laughs> Andrew. Yeah, well, I mean, they were they were all like they they knew they were all actual musicians, yeah. but you know, for the sake of the video, you know, I put the sheet music out and I was like, we're not recording any of this audio, you know, we're just getting these shots. And you know, we one of the references that we had was the Fantasia, the the Disney where you had the big silhouettes of these musicians up against the wall and you know the conductor and it's it was one of those things for for me I was like I was I, I was pulling all these different cinematic references that I was so drawn to as a kid and I was like I kind of want to bring my weird brain into uh some sort of picturesque version of itself and yeah uh, but I mean the actual shooting was um we had you know we had a team of five. Um, my wife uh, was helping kind of organizing, keeping people uh, in schedule. My managers were kind of helping keep track of like when people are getting fed and, you know, and then Garrett uh, was the main video um, uh, uh, operator. Um, but we also had a couple of people running grip and there, you know, like I, it was two days um one for the big big shots at the Moore theater in seattle and then the dance video um with uh the uh the tango um dance couple that was at uh the century ballroom and yeah i we 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 had maybe like three or four takes and they like they nailed it so it was you know and then like <laughs> the actual editing coloring and all the the everything after the fact took, you know, probably took about a month because there was so much raw footage we had, you know, that Garrett had to go through. So, well, um, thank, but thank, in the end, it it was a really fun thing. Oh, it certainly looks like it. <clears throat> and thank thank you for 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 going into those details. I as our time is, runs out on us, I I don't want to lose the opportunity to ask you about your role as a Grammy trustee. Uh, and you represent the Pacific Northwest, correct? Which yes, which I and I believe that you uh, had shared earlier with me that you have worked with some artists from Hawaii. So could you tell us a little bit about mm -hmm. your role as a Grammy trustee and possibly who some of the folks are in Hawaii you've worked with? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, for a lot of people, they look at the Grammy Association um, as just the award show, um, the Recording Academy. You know, it's the big night. It's the biggest night of music. And um, I was always drawn to that as a kid. Um, but when I found out what the Recording Academy actually does, um, 
I was really enamored with that. Um, they, you know, they, they focus on education, advocacy, and supporting, really supporting musicians. And, you know, uh, for someone like myself um, in the work that I do, there's not really an organization or there's not really a place that um, I can necessarily call home, you know, um, the music, you know, like a, a music union, most of the time, they're only focused on civic orchestras and theatrical productions and other stuff. And versus, you know, when I'm working with pop artists and everything else, there's not really a place that organizes and advocates on my behalf. And the Recording Academy was one of those places where I found out that they were doing so much from an advocacy standpoint nationally to protect artists, to protect our copyrights, to protect our way of life. And I needed to be a part of that. I needed to, to support and do everything I could to be a part of the Academy. So I joined with them in 2010 as just a, a just a as a normal member and then I started running for you know they the the Pacific Northwest chapter of the Grammy Association actually includes Hawaii Alaska um, Montana Washington State Oregon it's a huge territory that's covered and we you know there's you know there's a board of governors that uh, represent the local chapter and then um, I was recently nominated to be uh, a trustee for our chapter and a trustee is essentially like a state senator. I go to um, uh, the, all, you know, the meetings that we have in Santa Monica with the trustee board and we deal with everything that, you know, the, the future of the academy, the future of music and working with uh, how best we can support musicians. And one of the biggest things is Music Cares um, is a sister organization of the Recording Academy that you know, when when the pandemic first came, uh, a lot of musicians were out of work and they had no money incoming. And Music Cares was this amazing lifeline for a lot of musicians immediately got the money. It got them mental health services. It, you know, so for me, like I, I'm, you know, I, I think that their services are absolutely invaluable. So as a trustee, um, my main focus is actually artist advocacy because I feel like, you know, as creatives, um, creativity is seen as kind of a, <laughs> like a, not, not a, uh, a realistic endeavor. A lot of people are like, well, if you're going to be a creative, you're going to need a plan B. You're going to need to be a doctor. You're going to need to do this, or you're going to have to have a job. And I, I've always been of the mindset that if you really go after music, or if you go after a career, a creative career, you need to be supported and you need to be able to be, have the ability to really make a viable living off of it. You know, and I think there's such a, a stigma, you know, with people in regards to what it means to be a musician. You know, I, I it's funny, I still have uh, times where I feel weird telling someone that I'm a musician because I'm worried about what they're going to think of me. So, um, but the work that I do with the Recording Academy, I, I feel very proud and very, you know, it, it makes me feel like we're we need the respect and we need to actually be given the due room to understand that music and the arts are actually viable, real careers. Um, 
you know, and then uh, so recently I was uh, appointed as co-chair of national advocacy with the Recording Academy, along with Yolanda Adam Adams. So, you know, coming up, going to be working, you know, with the Washington, D.C. chapter of the Recording Academy in their office on national uh, policy and lobbying, um, you know, state um, senators and uh, representatives on how to protect the arts, how better to, you know, support musicians in the music industry. So um, with all that said, as you were asking what uh, Hawaiian artists I've worked with. So on the board, um, I've had the immense pleasure of serving with Kimie Minor and like Jody Brotman of Palm Records. Um, I've worked with both of them on many, many occasions on programming, education, uh, stuff that we offer to, you know, our, our membership in the Pacific Northwest. And um, yeah, so uh, I'm pretty excited about what the Recording Academy does. So all right. I think folks are pretty excited to know that you're there serving as an advocate. And uh, I think you've sensitized me. I, I've, I've noticed as I've just recently listening to a pop uh, piece on, on the radio in my car, <clears throat> I realized that uh, I had listened to the song many, many times before, but I didn't realize how much, uh, what the role of the strings were in the background. And it's a result of, of reading and watching and learning about you that I'm now sensitized. I listen to a piece of music in the car and I'm if it doesn't have strings, I'm thinking, what's wrong with you? Why haven't you added the strings to it? So it's, it's been a real true pleasure. Uh, before we close, I want to make sure, I think it's, it's really important to let our viewers know that they really need to do a little search on you because you have a lot of information up there that's uh, available to the public. And uh, so I think they'd also enjoy seeing some of your, you have a pop reel and a, a and uh, a film reel and that shows uh, some of the scoring you've done so with that thank you andrew jocelyn and uh you've been watching to you've been watching to, to tell our viewers just to remind you you've been watching the creative life and uh today's guest was andrew jocelyn uh guest extraordinaire and i invite you to join us again in two weeks as we continue to bring you our stream of individuals demonstrating their passion for living the creative life as you do andrew thank you again and aloha